You bought me a salad bowl. It's still, we still love our salad bowl. Did I buy you a salad bowl? That's very nice. You me. did. Hello and welcome to Faith with Haith. I'm Jamie Haith in central London. And today on the line, I have um, a friend who I've known since she was tiny, just a tiny wee thing. And, uh, and now she is an accomplished actor, mother, creative in lots of different ways. And so welcome to Faith with Haith, the podcast, Ellie Pierce. Hello. You're in, uh, where are you? You're in Suffolk? I'm in Suffolk. And I was just thinking that I don't think I've grown that much bigger. No, I don't think you have. Still quite a small wee thing. Such a wee thing. Just such a wee little thing. Little, little tiny person. Tiny, tiny, you in the palm of my hand. And uh, you're, so you're on the beach in Suffolk. That sounds good. Uh, I was, I was on an estuary which has a little beach. Yeah, it was really good. It might be the shape of holidays to come. Well, I think so. You're there with the family. Tell us yes. about the family. I have a husband who you might have just heard in the background called Oscar Pierce, who is a director and an actor, a dog called Rolo, and two girls, fast becoming young women, Eliza and Orla. How old are they? They are 10 and 8. I can't believe it because actually that is, <laughs> that is the age you were when I first met you and yes. your family and yes. your two sisters and uh, we go back away, don't we? We go back and the weird thing is I think once you also have children you realise that you don't become more mature as you get older, you just stay a child in your head. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny that, it is true. It? It yeah. Is and so you're an actor which is great because... Well, I am. Being an actor is, is, it's all about imagination and fun and creativity. When did you decide that you actually wanted to do that as a career? Well, that's a very interesting question because I don't really ever remember making a conscious decision until really only the last few years. Um, partly because when I was about it must have been about 16. Um, I had a really powerful moment uh, at Holy Trinity Brompton, the church that we both knew each other from, where I felt, a, I heard a booming voice. Ooh, wow, <laughs> and I really haven't... For us. You actually heard I, the voice of God. <laughs> I heard a booming voice um, and it was, I want you to act, which I was a bit like, that's a bit weird. And of course, what I did was then went off and studied and went to university and proceeded to not really think about it. Um, because it's a strange thing to recognise. Uh, it's, I mean, obviously I was at a point of going, well, what should I do? It was, you're under quite a lot of pressure, I think, when you're at school to make decisions about your future. And I remember feeling quite oppressed by that at the time. Uh, and in a prayerful moment of worship, I just heard that sentence and I thought, that's a bit weird. Uh, I now recognise it as a booming voice, but at the time I thought, and I didn't tell anybody, I thought, well, that's, a, that's something. And, you know, I think it's questionable exactly how and what that means, but I have always since then felt a real uh, connection and, and ease, I guess, with the idea of performing. I never felt, as many of my colleagues have, this incredible drive and sort of fight to train and, 
you know, a lot of people have had to go against their parents and expectation because it's got quite a lot of bad, uh, <laughs> bad sort of people think of it in funny ways, basically. And so I just, I, I felt like that was something that you just do. But I do remember at university when I was studying English uh, and I thought, oh gosh, I've really, something really missing. And I hadn't done any uh, performing, hadn't been part of anything. So I started to do that. And then I started to get involved in some quite um, bohemian groups. So we did a lot of music and movement and site-specific performances uh and it just it was a very natural thing I didn't it's the same thing as like you know eating something you enjoy you don't really think it's odd to eat it um you just really it 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 slips down easily um and I think that then I didn't finish my four years of degree at Glasgow and I thought partly because I got a bit distracted I think with doing performance (laughs) so I did a what they call a three-year degree a cultural general cultural degree so it's quite a long story and then basically I thought well I'll just apply for RADA uh, and maybe another one and I thought Lambda and see if that's the next stage um kind of I guess that memory of pursuing that as a bit more as a as a narrow uh vision sort of was falling into place and then got into RADA and went uh and then doors opened and I think it's actually only been in the last probably the last 10 10 years that I've gone oh gosh this is I'm really responsible towards this now and I'm taking this very seriously and I am an actor and um letting in ambition and changing my well a lot of stuff has happened basically with response to that and it, it does keep happening but um yeah I don't remember thinking I want to be like them or I want to be on the stage, but I didn't realise that it wasn't something that was ne- not, wasn't necessarily the thing that everyone felt it was normal being in front of an audience and wanting to slightly wet your pants, but liking <laughs> that as well, you know? Yeah. Well, what's it like walking in through the doors of RADA, for those that don't know, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts? Oh, it's very, it's very austere, but quite relaxed. It's, it's quite a thing. You walk into these columned, this columned doorway and it's, it's not, it's not like a huge red brick building. It's on Gower Street. It's quite modern, but you walk into sort of plaque of a list of amazing actors. And when I, uh, first went, um, oh my goodness, I forgot what his name is. The the amazing man, Dick um, uh, Attenborough, Dickie Attenborough. He was just wandering yeah. around quite often. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. And then you'd see amazing other incredible performers would turn up and people really connect to it and keep up relationships or come and do talks about their their time there and their career and what's happening and it's a really it's an it's an, quite an extraordinary family I think and network but I I just was uh, I I don't think I took it too seriously and you know you just I just was a bit maybe cocky confident just just took it as it came and that was exciting but I I didn't I think the first audition I thought oh this is quite intense but Oddly, I it it felt quite um, not scary. So you it's were only quite later like, on. 
you were quite relaxed about it, but it, yeah, is it, is it a quite a relaxed atmosphere? Or is it super competitive? You can't you 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 see something like do you remember Fame? And yeah. uh, there is there's obviously a camaraderie, but also these are the people that are going to be you're going to be up against in the. Oh no, you can't think like that. Well, I didn't anyway. <laughs> I think I was um, I was quite interested in the boys. No, I was actually um, that was. I was quite distracted by that, but I just was very relaxed. I was like, well, you know, whatever will happen, will happen. This, the door has opened. And if this is the plan, this is the plan. Uh, it's actually when I, um, when I got, we got into the third year and you have to, it gets a lot more competitive in terms of you see people are starting to be selected or people are making quite conscious decisions about how to stand out or set themselves up, uh, as if one can do that into the industry. And um, I do remember thinking afterwards, oh, I think I could have played that a bit better. But I just haven't been, I honestly wasn't ambitious. I take things very, very seriously, which is a weird contradiction. But I had no sense of what I was looking to claim or create or who I was in the mix of it all. And I had a very interesting first meeting with my then first agent, who's a brilliant and quite scary agent, who said, look, you know, you, we think you are the next this and we'll give you a year to see. And I remember after, at the time, I, it didn't really hit me. And then afterwards I thought, oh, that is quite serious. Um, <laughs> that is quite competitive. Well, so, I mean, it's still- a huge accomplishment to even get into RADA and then to get an agent and then to have the career that you've had. It's you know, you, you, you're very cool about it, but it's... Um, well, I think up. that there's... A, you can't... Firstly, you cannot control it. Secondly, I feel that... I do. I really feel spiritual about it, that things have come... come the doors have opened for me. And so, therefore, you know, I, I, take, I, I, feel, I feel quite differently about things in the last few years as I'm starting to get older and more fearful... But uh, at the time, it was like, it was only when I'd had, uh, when I met my husband, actually, that I started to realise I need to take this much more seriously because I've just been slightly just letting it roll on uh, yeah. and things have happened and I've played lead parts and done this and that and it's been extraordinary and I just haven't quite even realised. Um, I would say that's true. But having said that, if you saw something I've done or if you if you're, if we work together, I work really hard. I, I get totally immersed and take it so seriously, but not in a sense of this is something that I can control and this will be mean this for the next stage. You know, I had a really nice time when I auditioned for RADA. I felt really free. I auditioned with Medea, which is quite an unusual I piece. I don't know what that is. Uh, Medea is a, a character from Euripides who killed her babies. Oh, and yeah, and most people do a Shakespeare piece, but you're asked to do a classical and a modern. And so I thought, well, I'll do Medea. And then uh, I also did something from The Importance of Being Earnest. So it, I, I had fun and I remember feeling like that. And I didn't have any experiences that were painful at drama school or competitive. I felt really encouraged. So encouraged, I'd say that um, I slightly didn't know how to in a way, see myself because I felt like there were many possibilities. And I know that's not true for everybody. It's, I had friends that were deeply scarred and, or it was a very painful process or were doing something that was really brave. 
but for me it was um well I mean there was lots of maybe there are lots of tricky things I've blocked out my mind which is probably the case but generally I look back and think it was great and I felt real I had challenges about speaking in funny ways or whatever it was uh but I didn't look at that as painful it was like you know it's a challenge that you uh try to ride and help develop I guess I'm it was I'm open to that well that's lovely I think um I w- there, there's a quote in there from you that I'm going to come right. back to in a bit where you said okay. uh, uh, that you are older and more fearful so yeah. just stick that one on the back burner but before <laughs> okay. I, I want to do a quick fire round so we get to know you yeah and I'm gonna okay. ask, what's okay. the what do you win you win zero. You get you win the okay. chance to talk to me for another half an hour. Oh yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so quick fire round. These are either or. You, you have to choose one or the other. Don't say one of those. I'd like something else, please. Okay. All right. Unless you really feel it. Okay. Number one. Right. Yeah. Beach holiday or adventure holiday. Beach. Okay. Number two. Soy milk or oat milk. Quick, it's called soy. a quick farm. Soy, soy, okay. oat. <laughs> probably, I bet you prefer moody. No, oat. I bet you, <laughs> yeah. Just cow. Yeah, cow. All right, you can have cow. Um, knitting or photography? <gasps> knitting. You love knitting? Love knitting. I've had a go at it and I actually quite like it myself. Um, katsu curry or Five Guys Burger and Fries? Katsu curry. Um, finally, TV or theatre? That's that's mean. Do you know? Okay, on the defensive. I can give a reason for both. I would say TV. And, and I mean, and I mean tech. acting in them. I mean acting in them. Not, not oh, acting. Yeah. Oh, at the moment, TV. I oh, really. At the moment. At the moment. As so in, like this today. Me. Today. Because <laughs> it's a very different process, isn't it? I'm. I'm just looking at your CV and. Yeah. You've played, an, you've done an awful lot of theatre and actually yeah. what you've done a lot of, people may have seen you if they've been to Shakespeare's Globe down on the South Bank. Yes. You were Celia in As You Like It, Helena in All's Well That Ends Well, Anne Page in The Merry Wives of Windsor and Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. And you've not got the modern plays in there as well. I didn't, I, I, I know. The I was, new plays. Uh, uh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare's Globe. I <laughs> you uh, frame my question that way. Um, but there's a whole bunch of others in there as well. You're right. I mean, that, that, not many people get to do those things. No, no, no. Very true. And I do f- view it as a really special thing that I, I would say in these last probably four years, I've come to protect really strongly, which is why in a way uh, the theatre job has to be really right <laughs> right to do it which is tv is a, a different a different uh, principle and technique um it's it's the, interesting the, the, though you would just go yeah i'll do that i'll do that i'll do that whereas theater you really think about if that's what you want to give yourself to is that because right. it's long yeah. and you're committed to it for weeks on end i think it's because you don't have protection um so i i definitely choose and I'm not sure if I've got the right of choice, but I'd also like to exercise that because I think we should do as artists. But I, I think the, the protection 
the lack of protection in theatre is that your job is to be open and giving and not be in control of what you are sharing. And I tend to, as a general observation in the in the last few years as well, I tend to play characters that are, are going through quite deep <laughs> trauma of some sort or... Uh, it's, it's very rarely a light affair and the um, the physicality of being involved in theatre is intense. The uh, hours are routinely then kind of challenging with a, a family life. And I think that uh, it just needs to be, you know, I, I think that if you're given a, a piece of theatre that's about, because I, I, what I feel is telling stories and being open to allowing what, are kind of taboos or things that people don't talk about. This is the place where we can see them and allow them to breathe. And for me, that's kind of why I want to do it. And in theatre, if you're doing something where you're playing with these stories and it's done in a really inconsiderate way or in a way that you, as the performer, are also uh, exposed, it just needs to be uh, chosen a bit more carefully. And also financially, it's absolutely awful. (laughs) So uh, that also has to be in consideration. Put, put into consideration. I mean, we've talked about the success side of things, but obviously every actor, no matter how great they are, you still have to audition. Yeah. And I think a really good question, which yeah. actors have to deal with more than anyone, but actually everyone in life has to deal with rejection. Mm. Do you think you could, how do you handle rejection? And are there some sort of, can you give people some hooks for handling rejection generally in life? I think that one thing I've definitely discovered in terms of being a performer is that everything you do has an effect that you don't know. So there's an incredible freedom in in you providing what your interpretation is of something. You put it out into the ether or, you know, to somebody and they see something that could be completely different. So there's great um, appease in that, in just that fact alone. So there will be times when I've gone to auditions and thought, well, they just saw what they wanted to see. They didn't see what I gave them, <laughs> you know. Or there'll be times where I think they they were looking for something specific and I couldn't have done that even if I knew what that was. Or um, I think I'm quite... Uh, analytic and I tend to uh, rethink things a lot. I'm not great at letting things go straight away, but I do tend to review and think and quite often, I don't think I'm very rational, but do tend to really try and find a way through to that's a breathing space. Um, That weight that sits, the weight of rejection that stifles and stops you and sits is just not constructive and it doesn't feel it. And sometimes I need a bit of time if it's something. So if there's something that's, uh, I've, I've dared to hope more in projects as well. I think, uh, uh, believing that, sorry, there's lots of things to say with this, but I would say that I think the scary journey of, daring to give yourself to something and hoping in something and then going through a process where you are so painfully disappointed has benefits in the future. That experience, if you move through it, 
But if you view it as a as something which just is disappointment and that's it, you sit in it and it makes you feel rubbish. Um, I just don't want to sit in that place. So maybe I do just <laughs> ignore stuff or maybe I bubble it up in order to release it. But I would say that there are times when I felt I've, I've cried, really cried and felt really disappointed and really confused. And it might be for a few days, but I think that's a really important place to be because by being in that, in it, I often see what it was that actually bothered me because it might not have been the job at all. It just might've been that I wanted to feel included or, uh, that I'm worried about what our income is and it just would have answered something or that it would make me make my career suddenly on a certain level that, you know, seems that that's more appropriate than what it is or whatever, you know? So I just think that rejection is a brilliant, can be a brilliant, but really painful uh, process to, and, and, and shape you. One of the things, yeah. Sorry. I was going to say one of the things that's, I find loveliest about uh, the gospel, the Christian gospel and my own faith is that, is that I believe God loves me as I am and Mm. what we call grace, unconditional Mm. love. Mm. Uh, But the world doesn't really work like that. I I remember hearing the great Helen Mirren saying, you're only as good as your last performance. And in that sense of, 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 it's never enough constantly yeah. having to better yourself not not let alone other people and with that is the view that you're being judged which I think yeah. is if you know I feel really strong in that I know God loves me and I know he's made me uh and I have a a, a sort of solid part of my inner self that somehow because I haven't made that solid I believe is God filled. Um, that means that there are, I don't believe that sense that you are what your last performance is, or you are any of your performances. I think you are used in those. Um, and I also think that quite often I, I'm in a position where actually you're feeling quite vulnerable and quite weak. And I do think that's a place where God really empowers you to do this, to, to be the one that's doing the work, not you. So I often feel like stuff that's, that does happen or any, yeah, I just, and I, and I call out for that as well, but to feel, I think that there's a difference also in the industry where it's a quite common word to be seen um, recently and, you know, your work and being seen. And there is a really challenging place when you, you are made redundant, you're without any, money you know like the government are giving at at the moment you know you are you are put out of your work and you are slightly imprisoned in not being able to do things and to be in that place and be fired up inside as a creative that's and as a person that isn't defined by work people define actors a lot they say it to to my face a lot you know you are this because you're an actor and I I think oh goodness sake I'm really not (laughs) and you know, just that's fine, but it's really small-minded. <laughs> and also, you know, that that puts me in the place of, of the up and down judgment all the time. And I just think that's, I think that's very odd and wrong. I say that, but obviously there are times when I find it really perplexing and overwhelming. Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an opportunity to, to do some acting right now. Okay. Uh, 
because I think people want to want to hear you. In a minute, in a minute, we'll hear <laughs> you doing a solo piece. And I've asked right. you to do like a little reading, so I don't know what you're going to do. But I also, oh a few years ago, you'll remember we we did a silly thing at church, a little sketch, and uh, yeah. um, in which I play Pete, your dad, and your Annie. I am old enough to be your dad, so this is perfect. And Just. Uh, we're all, we're a sort of this is a, a little tiny sliver of this. Do you remember that I, there was a there was a salmon? We, there was a salmon in 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 the sketch, which I a real salmon. Yeah, don't you remember? No, you my blocked. memory is really bad. I couldn't remember any speeches or anything. I well, no, because because we we did it in the morning services, and oh, then salmon was still around in the afternoon, and it was starting to get a bit rank. But um, I've, <laughs> I've taken. <laughs> I've just uh, a piece that doesn't involve the salmon. Are you ready for this? You're Annie, I'm Pete. <clears throat> you've, have you got a script there? Yeah. Okay, here we go. How, sorry, wait, how old is Annie? Uh, you're a teenager. teenager. Okay. Yeah, I reckon. Okay. 14, 15. Okay. Annie, look, I, I planned this to be a great trip. Just me and my oldest girl spending time out in the wild outdoors. Dad, we're surrounded by caravans and gas barbecues. Why don't you just join in, Princess? You used to love camping. Used to, Dad. Used to? There's plenty of other things I'd rather do now. This is my holiday too, you know. What's that supposed to mean? It means you haven't really thought about what I might like to do. I suppose you'd like to spend the whole bank holiday weekend at Blue Water. No. Anywhere else, as long as I wasn't there. Oh, no, Dad. That's not what I'm saying. Look, it's just... Well, listen to this, that I I literally just read in the Bible. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Obey your parents? Go on, I'm liking it so far. Fathers! Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So I I exasperate you then? Not all the time, Dad, no. I, I love you. You know I do. What about the other bit then? Obeying and honouring me? Yeah, I, I know. I didn't mean to read that bit. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's make a deal. You try and keep your end of the bargain. I'll do mine, okay? Okay. I love you, princess. (laughs) I love you, Dad. And... (laughs) (laughs) So really good. I mean, not that we were really good, but that script is really good. Oh, thank you very much. What we were trying to do there is show the sort of the the biblical uh, uh, principles of mutual respect in in a family and, and listening to each other. And you're now a parent. I mean... Yes. How, how are you getting on with that? Oh, how, I mean, well, a lot about you being an actor. What's it like being a parent, being a mum? Wow, we. I, it's, um, well, one thing that's quite interesting I have found being an actor is that you are constantly needing to be adaptable. And that is definitely the word that feels most appropriate yeah. to being a parent. Yeah. Whilst also being solid, I... I would probably say at the moment I'm finding it really tricky because the girls are really growing up into there's a, there's a hint of teenage 
emerging despite themselves actually but in the lockdown situation uh we've had a real challenge in being so around each other that uh i i would say that we have kind of been like a pinball machine you know sort of hitting off each other's sides and the nature of uh, our work being really uh, sort of um, all over the place and, and different every day is that they have a really busy life that's quite normal with their schedule and their school and the things they do. And suddenly that's just all gone. And we are the kind of springboard and the entertainers. And they are extraordinary people. I just wish I was a bit more calm. <laughs> uh, Oscar and I are both quite I guess we can be really full of energy, which has great positives, but that also means that we are quite reactive and high energy and loud voiced. And I think that the girls, I fear that they get squashed and when they need to release stuff, uh, it's, it's just all quite heightened. So I would say that's, that's the biggest challenge that I'm finding at the moment is working out where we can sit that's most helpful, but that gives them a real stable thing because at the moment they're very at sea, uh, as we all are with uh, COVID hitting our lives. But I I think that um, the other side of of that has been, it's been really amazing to be able to have all this time with them where they're normally at school and doing their own things. You actually don't really see these sides of them. And the biggest shock is that while you feel that they're yours, they really are not. <laughs> and we are their guardians as much as they're sort of, you know, being parts of our body. And it, Oscar and I often talk about how we can be their protectors and their preventers rather than trying to live through them or trying to prevent them from growing. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, an, it's odd. You cannot imagine life without them at all. And it shapes everything we do, having children. And our first focus with everything we do is our family. So every piece of work, when I mentioned choice earlier, the family and what, how good it is for the family to, to be doing a certain job or whether it works is always the first question we ask. Um, and also what's quite scary is that they're seeming to present some um, some interest in performing themselves which is always very worrying Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What, what about the faith um, side of things how much do you feel um obviously as you, I, I love that guardian that word guardian we we look after them we protect we lead we imbue f- principles for life how much do you think um your own faith is something to be shared with them and something to be kind of drilled into them. Because I know that's a lot of people's experience growing up, that, that they really didn't have uh, faith for themselves, but they kind of went along with what the family was doing. Yeah. I think it's, a really, it's, a, it's something that's been on my mind a lot, actually, because I think I experienced coming to faith, having an experience of, of Jesus being very clearly there and offering love to me when I was about Eliza's age, about 10, 11 or 12 around there. But I felt like it was very independent from my parents. Uh, However, um, 
we are also a really, we're a more of a mixed family because Oscar isn't uh, a, a Christian. So we have a great sort of mixture going on in our household. Um, yeah. It's very interesting because his grandfather actually built a church. So it's sort of, wow. I would say that the boxes are really hard to define um, which is probably something I'm quite keen on. But we go to a lovely church in Bethnal Green uh, and the children have their best friends there. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of God and Jesus language around. But I would say that I'm probably quite private in my prayer life when that happens. Um, and, you know, we talk about things that I guess is having Jesus in, in the, in the picture of our, our lives. But I, we definitely don't sit around and pray as a family or, but I, I we didn't do that as a family either. Um, <laughs> sorry, everybody. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do feel slightly worried of like, where will the girls have that opportunity? Um, because also we go through a really mixed faith school, so it's not at school either. Yeah. Um, but Oscar, he is, you know, I, I, I married him because he, well, for many, many reasons, but the main one was that he gives life and also points me towards God. And at the time when I met him, that was something I found really difficult to work out how to do, even though I knew and I could hear God calling me. I didn't know. I just felt like I didn't know how to fit and live it out. And he's just totally embraced that side uh, of what he sees and hears. So um, I think a lot of our decisions are based on uh, principles um, from the Bible and God-filled ideas, whether or not we say, do you know that you can spend, I, I mean, sometimes when we do, so, you know, if you're scared, then um, let's, let's pray, let's ask Jesus to come and be with you. You know, that sort of thing comes out without much thought, but well, that's, you know, that I, brings us perfectly onto the phrase on, we, we put on the back burner, which I'm calling back onto the front yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. You just said the older I get, the more fearful I, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well is that surely the, faith is something that you've had since you were 10 and you're now whatever. Um, you know, do, doesn't it mean that you get less fearful over time because your faith is more real and, and stronger? Uh, I don't think that's true. I wouldn't say that many people, as they get older, their faith gets stronger. I think well, often, I, I don't think there is a sort of uh, system or a right. a way. I think that faith changes. Uh, and I mean, what's really extraordinary is that God doesn't and his great and the grace God shows and gives to us doesn't change. But things start to fall in into life which when you were younger you were innocent of so uh grief uh unpredictable things lots of things that make you question in a new way but in those questions you go much deeper into god where i feel like the fear when i say fear i think i mean uh it's a tangible fear but it's not one that i live under so it's something that then I take deeper into feeling uh, that I am held and protected and able to go on with whatever it is. Uh, it's like 
I don't know if you've noticed it as you get older, you, you suddenly heights are much more scary. Or when I'm doing some sort of trampolining, I get really dizzy when I do trampolining, not very often. But you're, you know, it's like your physical free, the, the, the freedom I had felt, which I now consider probably was naivety or just a lack of uh, realization, has parts in it that are, are deeply worried and fearful and um, aware of dangers. You know, since having children, they're, they climb a tree and I'm not totally relaxed, but I would have climbed the tree yeah. before. But you know, I trust that if something happens, that God will be with us. What's fascinating talking to you is that everybody feels that. Everybody feels the, the darkness, the pain, the brokenness, the struggle of life. And it's yeah. too easy to turn to other things, anything, to, to fill any void within us, to calm us, to numb us. Yeah, and you know, to come back to the, to the acting, what one of the very yeah. things that you've done is um, a, a radio production of Christina Rossetti's Goblin Market, and yeah. I, you said to me what you find is is and what people don't realise it's not a children's poem, which it's always been classified as. It's very much a sort of a treatise on the power of addiction. Yeah, um, and if anyone wants to hear that, it's on BBC Sounds Goblin Market, and you're the main uh, narrator of that. And it's beautifully done. But you, you, you felt, tell us about what you felt about your role in that and the role of the arts in helping people in those positions. Well, I think that the arts break open truths. They, they speak and show things that we hide or fill or can't. And for me, that's the place where God comes. That's my understanding of faith, is the place that you didn't even really know were your uh, were inside you, where, where God meets and not only says, I will take those depths from you, but uh, meets you in and fills you. And I just think I've, I've always found that a real pull of um, the reason why we should tell stories. And of course, performing is about telling stories. Uh, and obviously Jesus was a storyteller. So that just yeah. is kind yeah. of obvious links. So, um, but this particular piece, uh, I didn't choose it. I got asked to do it by a, an amazing director who I've worked with and come to know before. So it was only in her bringing it to, to the table that I became aware of it. And it's a really extraordinary poem about addiction and, um, Sisterhood, and it may, oh, I get really emotional. <laughs> hilarious. Are you, um, are you crying? Are you crying right now? Uh, there are some watery elements <laughs> in my eyes, um, but it's the idea of the pull of things that sometimes feels beyond people, and they get themselves in situations which, yes, if we were all perfect or even living, you know, that we don't talk about very often in our Christian environments because. Um, it's it's raw and there's a great cover of things that can happen, I think. But in general, in society, we we don't like to show the raw, the the, the uncomfortable, the things that are wrong, the the wrong desires and um, the the unhealthful things. And um, this poem talks about those things being something that goblins that that um, 
these characters are represented by, and they offer these fruits, which are the fruits that uh, feed people in as, as different addictive things do. So, and eventually that you eat their fruits and it, it destroys, it destroys you. And the uh, sisters, one sister just can't resist it. She just wants to go and find out. She's just such a different character to the other one who likes, says, it's just not, this is such a bad idea. We know we've seen other people do this. Just come on, let's go. And they've got this lovely relationship and they're really close, but she just can't. She, you know, it's just, she, she just has to respond to her, what's in drawing her to it. And then her sister steps in and takes the fruit, but in this, the strength of her different character doesn't swallow them and they just paste the juice around her face and then that she takes that back to her sister and it, it heals her. And it's the most incredible story, I think, of such profound humanity, These the difference of, of these sisters. Also the one who is so courageous and saying, I literally will not only sacrifice myself, but I'll also stand up for what I instinctively feel is so true that doesn't make sense and not open my mouth to these goblins. Um, anyway, it just speaks to me and I've got amazing sisters yeah, you and do. we've gone through lots of journeys together, but that part of that story I found profoundly moving. And also the concept of showing when we need and showing how we can be in need. Um, and I think with performing, just to sort of tag something on as well, I don't think it's my job to offer the answers, but I pray that God does. That's, that's the, what I do. And I recently played a, a part in this beautiful play at Soho Theatre. It was two years ago or last year, um, written by a really extraordinary young writer. It was her first play. And it was about a woman who uh, sadly had in uh, the kind of mixed mental state of having had a baby and starting to work again, had accidentally left her baby in the car uh, and she thought she dropped it off at nursery and it had died. And the play proceeded to tell the story of how she coped or didn't cope, how she lived after it. And what happened was this other quite damaged, beautiful character came along and opened things up for her. And, you know, for, it's not providing an answer to come and say, this is a story where you go away and you've, it's just, I don't think that's important because I think God speaks to people in the way that God speaks. It's just our job to be an opening um, and to let the Holy Spirit in and, you know, playing those parts where for me, if someone just might be able to feel like, oh, I'm not the only one, or this really speaks to me, or this relates to something that, that for me would be, um, yeah, that would be why that would be what I would put on my CV <laughs> if I could, what I'd take out of auditions and, you know, how I would rephrase what Helen Mirren stated as, as what you live for. So good talking to you. Uh, can you do me one favour? Would you, would you yeah. we've, we've got to close, but because um, we've run out of time, but would you do a reading or something that you've chosen just for us to... Okay, I'm going to... All right. I, just to say, I get very nervous doing these kind of things, partly well, because yeah, it's obviously I'm not, I'm not hidden by a different part. But this is, it's sort of oddly in keeping, I think, with the theme, which is, uh, I guess, being, you know, my faith gives me the reason to not try and make 
things rosy, which why being an actor works. Does that make, is that an okay sentence? Um, And in that, God, I, I keep experiencing God more and more as, as these, uh, as things happen going on this, this, this route. Um, So this is a, this is a little bit of Constance from a Shakespeare play called King John. And just to fill you in, it's a a play about King John, the medieval King John, but. um, There's a clue in the title. There's a clue in the title. (laughs) She's, um, she's lost her children and everyone thinks she's mad and she gets really abused and uh, it interests me that people misinterpret people's situation that they're in so that it doesn't make it so awkward or and anyway that I I find I've never played her but I'd absolutely love to Uh, and this is just one a tiny bit from one of the things she says she says grief fills the room up of my absent child lies in his bed walks up and down with me (laughs) puts on his pretty looks repeats his words remembers me of all his gracious parts, stuffs out his vacant garments with his form. Then have I reason to be fond of grief? Fare you well. Had you such a loss as I, I could give better comfort than you do. I'm just going to stop there. That's it. Oh, you're amazing. Thanks, Jamie. Ellie Piercy, the actor. It's so funny because your your um your stage name is your maiden name, Ellie Piercy. Yes. And you yeah. married Oscar, whose surname was Pierce. You didn't change much at all. You just yeah. I changed a few letters in the middle, but we're not related. <laughs> and we Thank have checked. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the pod today. Thank you for having me. I don't think I know if I said anything constructive. I didn't quote any psalms or anything. No, it's not about that. <laughs> You're brilliant. That's fantastic. Thank you. You've been listening to Faith with Haith. Have a wonderful week. Much love.